Holy Spirit. And if we're not seeing this, if we're not getting to a place that in our lives, day by day, moment by moment, that, that, that Thanksgiving is part of our life, then there's, there's something wrong that we're not seeing. And so, so this is what I want to talk to you about today. And I want you to turn with me, if you will. I want to one, read one short verse over in the book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 18. And listen to what this says. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's think about it. In everything give thanks, everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you what it says let's pray father thank you for today i thank you for each person that's here lord you you know you tell us in your word that you're that every person here is the workmanship created under good works you tell us that you're working in their lives right now it's god who works in you both to will and to do your good pleasure and so lord in all these things lord you're working in every life that's in here So, Lord, I pray today that you would just manifest yourself in such a way that you would teach us things, let us see things like we've never seen before. Uh, Bless, Father, we pray. And so, Lord, simply may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, for you're our strength, you're our redemption, you're everything, Father. And we can't, we just can't. We can't do, we don't want to, but we even can't do this without you. So be with us, I pray. I ask this in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. There are 138 passages throughout Scripture that deal with the subject of thankfulness. And I think the subject is harder for us because where there is an abundance readily seen every day. Now the Lord had problems with Israel because of this. And he said this in Deuteronomy 6, 10, verse 12. So it shall be, he says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards, vineyards or olive trees which you did not plant when you have eaten and are when you're eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So what's he saying? He's saying, man, when everything just seems like going good, you got money in the bank or healthier and a pig, and all this other kind of stuff is happening in your life, when all that, he said, boy, that's the time you really got to be careful. And I think that's where we are today in America. We, I mean, all you got to do is go visit one of these third world countries. And you see some of the poverty that's there. It is unbelievable. You know, I heard, I heard a story one time of a pastor who, who uh, went to, down in, in Haiti after the earthquake hit down there. And he said the devastation was unbelievable. And the stench and the smell was, was terrible because of death all around it. And, and uh, he said, we're, he said, they actually, he said, like, there's four or five of us, and, and we're, we're down there trying to help, and we're living in one of those metal containers like you see on ships. And so they cut a hole in it to put an air conditioner in it with a generator so we could have some relief. He said, but I had, I had uh, the Internet so I could go back and get my emails. And he said, I go, back to my, I go back to my bunk, and I'm looking at my emails, and as I do, I'm going through it, and he says, and I get an email from some people in my church that tell me they're leaving the church because they don't like the, they don't like the music in the church. He said, I look out the door and I see the devastation and the stench and the smell and the, and the devastation that's everywhere. And they're telling me they're going to leave the church because they don't like the music? Come on! 
That's what I'm saying. That's where we are in America. And you know, I, I found out there's actually heard of brothers and sisters that are in, 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 in impoverished lands that are praying for you and I in the United States of America that with the, that because they say that we have such great temptation to fall away from the Lord because we have so much. Now, I'm not going to get into all the statistics of how much garbage and food and all the other kind of stuff that we, we throw away. Martin Luther once said this. He said, if in the gifts and the benefits of God were more sparing and close-handed, in other words, he didn't give us as much as he normally does, we should learn to be thankful. The greater God's gifts and works, the less we are, less that they are regarded. How true it is. The Bible tells us to be thankful. 1 Chronicles 16, 34, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for His good, for His mercy endures forever. Psalms 104, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him, and bless His name. Psalms 106, 1, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for His good, for His mercy endures forever. Colossians 3, 15, And whatever you do, in word or deed, or in all in the name of the Lord Jesus, give thanks to God the Father through Him. Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and I could go on and on with scriptures that tell us just be thankful God's looking for people that are thankful for what they have now here's what I did this week I went to our kindergarten our first grade class down here and I sat down with them and I said okay here's what I want you to do I want you to tell me your name they tell you give me their name and said then I want to I want to ask you to tell me what you're thankful for and Cambria and Madison said they're thankful for their family. Layla, that we have, he, she said, I'm thankful that we have a home. Alex, he was thankful for his cat. Ellie and Lily and Ryder and Emma, well, they were thankful for their mama and daddy. But when I first asked Ryder, who's my grandson, of course, at first he, he, he looked at me and I said, Ryder, tell me what you're thankful for. And he said, I'm thankful for my pony. I said, pony? I said, you don't have a pony. When are you getting a pony? He said, I know, I'm getting it for Christmas. <laughs> and what I found out, that was news to his mom and daddy. But I guess he's practicing faith because he's calling those things that are not as though they are. He said, I'm expecting one for Christmas. Lanny said everything. Bentley, listen to what Bentley said. Bentley said, God and Jesus. And Rayleigh, horse named Spirit is what she said. So, so the question that begs us today is why does it take things being taken away from us in, in order to be thankful? Or, or, you know, why do we appreciate, you know, the old adage is you don't appreciate the water till the well goes dry. Greater, Greta Westerman was among the prisoners in a Nazi death camp. And she told of the time that she and her fellow inmates stood at a roll call for hours, needily collapsing and with hunger and fatigue. But they noticed in the corner of that bleak, hard, gray place that the concrete had broken and a flower had poked its head through. She said the thousands of women that took great pains to avoid stepping on it. It was the only spot of beauty in their ugly, heinous world that they were thankful for. And, and you know, it's the simple things that we 
that we truly appreciate. Oh, just to be thankful. The devotional book Springs in the Valley tells of a man who found a barn where Satan kept his seed ready to be sown in the human heart. And he found that the seeds of discouragement were more numerous than the others, and he learned that those seeds could be made to grow almost anywhere. But when Satan was questioned, he reluctantly admitted that there was one place in which he could never get them to thrive. And where was that, asked the man. Satan replied sadly, in the heart of a grateful person. That's what he said. You know, I remember years ago going to Brazil and working in an orphanage down there where there was, it was what it was was an old uh, mental uh, sanitarium we were there. And at that time, they had over 100 orphans who were being li- living, or one time were living on the streets that had come there. No family. And they'd been turned out. And every day, every day in that, that orphanage, they ate beans and rice. And I remember them in the back cleaning up after each meal. They had, uh, they had uh, duty to uh, clean up the tables and everything. And I remember them cleaning up. And, and after eating, and they're washing the dishes, and they're washing the dishes in cold water. But I remember hearing them sing, and I remember hearing them sing, My Father Has a Big House. My Father Has a Big House. Now I'm going there one of these days. My Father Has a Big House. I believe that we within this country are so spoiled that gratitude and thankfulness has been replaced by a sense of entitlement that we think we're entitled to things when really many times we don't even reserve. And why has this been replaced? Have you ever thought about the little things that we take so for granted? For instance, being thankful for the air that we breathe. You say, well, that's crazy. No, ask the person who suffers from emphysema or COPD and they can't get their breath. Ask them. Being thankful that you have gas in your tank, you know, do you, you, know, you know the number of people, even this week, people that come through here trying to make it somewhere with their family, and they've run out of gas, and they have no money, they have nobody to call, they know where to go, and they're asking us to help them just to, to put gas in their tank and look in their face and see what they say. Be thankful that where you, you, you go by, you know, be thankful that there, that you go by the grace of God, that you're not the one pushing the grocery cart up the street with all the garbage bags on. I know that we look at these people and we think, what's wrong with it? It's by the grace of God that I was born where I was. I was born into the family I was and God helped me to get to the place I'm at. It was because of His grace. Be thankful that you're not the person standing on the street corner with a cardboard sign probably with a couple of misspelled words on it begging for money and have you not noticed their eyes will not meet your eyes? And somebody says, well that's a scam. Maybe it is. I've, I've said in this office in here so many times, people come to us, I don't know how many hundreds of dollars go out of here per month that we pay for gas bills and water bills and all the other things that, that, that we pay for people to be able to rent and everything else that we help them with. And somebody said, well, you know, I think I don't know where this person is. Listen, I would rather be scammed. I would, you know, and even the Bible says that. Says rather than taking somebody to law, why, why don't you, it says, why don't you allow yourself to be cheated for the thing of Christ? Because Christ means more to you. That's what it means. But I've told him, I said, I'd rather be cheated in here than we miss somebody that really needs a need and we miss them in some way. So, you know, but, I, but you know, I, it, it just, 
I, I wonder this, when I see those people standing on the corner, and, and you know, at that, what point in that person's life did they cross the line to lose all their pride and dignity and decide to become a beggar? Or what event in their life that catapulted them into what they felt their only alternative was to beg? What happened in their life that made them cross over to do that? That they have no dignity, no pride whatsoever to stand there with that sign. But they won't look you in the face. And what about those who eat with us? Last week, uh, we, the lowest number that we had, John was telling me last week, was 29 people that ate with us in four nights. 29. All, after that was 30s and the 40s. May I ask you, do you bow your head and say grace at every meal? And do you mean it? Because those who are hungry and they bow their head over a meager meal, does God examining their heart, does their prayers go farther than your prayers go? Because they really mean their time? Or are you just in a religious routine? I remember one night, uh, you know, you know I, I remember one night going through the old spar building down here. Sub-zero weather. I got a call. And I was looking for a man down there who had taken wooden, wooden pallets and piled them up. He found an old piece of a tarp laid over top of it. I mean, we're talking about the, down in the single digits of coldness, and he was going to sleep in this old building down here. I remember that. Do you thank God for the roof you have over your head? Do you, have, do you thank God that you have it? And do you realize that we have all the time are, are, are looking out here in these bushes and things? We have people that sleep out here in these bushes. We have people that sleep in cardboard boxes out here. We're seeing things happen in Winchester, Kentucky that we would never see. We see, we see girls walking the street here, prostitutes. What caused them to move their life to that place? Are you thankful for what you have? Are you thankful for a mom and dad that tried to raise you right? Are you thankful that you, that you had the opportunity to get an education or, or to, do, uh, to get a job or whatever it is? Are you thankful for those things? You know, I've been in well-to-do homes. and I mean, I'm talking about pretty expensive homes. I've been in well-to-do homes, and they're happy. And I've been in homes that had an outhouse out back. That when you went to the bathroom, you had to go in and also get some lime and stuff here and dip it and throw it in the hole. I've been in those kind of homes. Guess what? One of the happiest homes I ever went was that one of those kind of homes. You talk about eating, man. They were fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy. Don't get me started. I mean, it was good almost every Sunday. And they never complained. And so... You know, they're happy. So it's not how much you have or how you don't have. Dr. Dr. Robert Hill uh, was in, uh, the author of over 40 books tells about visiting Bangkok and Thailand. And, and here's what he said. He said, uh, you know, he, he says that uh, where he was invited to a special celebration given by the king and queen there. And, and has his Thai guide, a young man named Joseph, Asked several questions as he drove them into the pavilion. And he knew a little English and was delighted to carry on a conversation. And when he asked where the hills lived, they told him, Richmond, Virginia. Oh, you're a rich man, asked the boy. 
Bob laughed and told him, so no, he wasn't rich. And Bob recalled. Then he asked if he owned an automobile. I told him, yeah, we had two cars in our family. And the next question was about the house, where we lived. And I told him it was a rather simple house with ten rooms. He was amazed at the size, especially when he related his and his family lived in just two small rooms. Then he asked him about our family. And I told him we had four healthy children, two in college and two still at home. And Joseph was silent for a moment or so, and then he replied, You're a rich man. And we laughed, he said. Dr. Hill said we laughed. But deep in our hearts, we knew he was right. Though we had never thought of it on those terms, we were rich. And we were thankful. You know, it is not having a lot that should make a man happy or ungrateful. And it's not having little that makes a person more thankful. For there are rich people I know who are miserable. They're miserable. They've got, I, I used to watch, you know, drug and alcohol. I used to, when I was doing that over in Lexington for seven years, teaching those classes. And I would see those guys at one time lived in half a million dollar homes, uh, driving two $70,000 cars. And I would see them come in there on a moped sometime because they'd lost their lives and everything else. And they were miserable. They hadn't found the key. But let me tell you something before you jump on that and say, well, yeah, that's them. Let me just go on and say that, that there are also those who live in poverty, don't have anything, who are greedy and not happy. So it's not the amount of money that we have or substance or those kind of things. So my question to us today is what causes a person to be grateful? For when, when we talk about being thankful, do we only roll it, roll it out once a year at Thanksgiving? Do we only give it lip service or grat gratefulness in the way of life? A person who has found Christ, is, is, is it like, it's like Andrew. It's like, he's like Andrew because the Bible, you know, the Bible only speaks of Andrew about two times in the Bible. And it says, Andrew first finds his own brother, Peter, and he brings him to him. And there's something about people that lead other people to Christ that they're, they're satisfied and they're grateful. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 and 15. Here's what, here's what, it, here's what it says. It says, and since we have the, same, have the same spirit of faith according to what is written... I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believed and therefore speak. And listen to what he said. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up, Jesus, and will present us with you. And then verse 15 says, For all things are for your sakes that grace, having spread through many, may cause thanksgiving to abound in the glory of God. In other words, what's he saying? Here's Paul. He, he's talking about sharing the gospel. And he means that when we do it, it brings to those who share joy. It brings joy in your life when you're able to share with others. There's something about leading others to Christ, about seeing the kingdom of God go forth, and the result then will produce great thanksgiving in those who come to Christ. But it will cause great thanksgiving for those who share also. Some of the happiest times in my life are those when I have had a hand in leading someone to Christ. And this week, little Bentley and also Emma came to me and asked me, says, I want to be baptized. And I said, let's talk about it. And we sat down and we went through the whole plan of salvation and explaining it to them where they came. And now, and now my grandson has come to me and said, Papa, I want to be baptized. Man, I'm telling you, I'm rejoicing over those three little people and who knows what God's going to do in their life. That's what brings joy and gratitude in you. When you lead others, that's one of the things that leads others that brings gratitude to you. 
you know, listen, if you don't share your faith with others, you're living on an island. And that island is closing in and thus less and less grateful for you're trying to protect what you have. You're just trying to keep on. That's what we want to hold on to what we have and what you do. You know, you can't, it's like the guy who's, who has a, he's got something in his hand and, and his hand is caught and he won't let go of it. But if he doesn't, he, until he lets go, he can be released. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, While you are enriched in everything for liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, uh, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. And so look at this. It, it, what's he saying? He says, Paul says, You are enriched in everything. And the reason that God gave you the stuff, and this is the whole thing, what we Americans got to come to the place and understand, that the reason you have the home you have, the reason you drive the car that you have, the reason you have the health and everything else and the money in the bank and everything else you have is because God gave that to you. And he gave it to you not so you'd sit on your decalon and not do anything and hoard it all. He gave it to you so that you would share it with others. Amen? That's what he means with this. And so he says, Paul says, you were enriched in everything and the reason that God gave you that stuff to enrich you in liberality and when you do that, liber liberty causes and produces the thanksgiving to us to God. Why do we live in a world that's not grateful? We know we live in a fallen world because of what Adam and Eve screwed up in the Garden of Eden. We know then when we get to heaven one of these days, Adam is going to have the only mansion in heaven that's going to have razor wire around it because if we get him out of there, we're going to kill him. But the Bible says because we're in this fallen world, it says this over in Romans 12, 1, neither were they thankful. They weren't thankful. But here's the reason that many are not grateful, regardless of how much or how little they have. Because gratefulness, listen to this, is a byproduct of the fruit of the Spirit. Did you ever think of that? Oh, we, we look at love and joy and peace and all those things that are listed over there in the book of Galatians. But gratefulness is a byproduct of the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says in James, and he asks the question in James 3.11, Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? In other words, you can't be complaining and be blessing at the same time. Martin Luther once wrote this. He said, One of the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in your lives is a gradual reversal of twisted patterns. Before we came to Christ, we had all these twisted ideas and all these twisted patterns in our life. Once we came to Christ, God wants to make His people who exhibit a thankfulness in proper proportion to the gifts and the blessings that we receive. I don't get anything that God had done come through God's hands. Everything I have belongs to Him. He just let me use it for a while. You know? Understand that we cannot demonstrate real gratefulness and thankfulness and complaining at the same time. That's, what that, that's why the spring sends forth fresh water and bitter water. We can't do it. If we, if we, let me ask this question. If we had a gauge to show a ratio of the proportion of time we spend complaining. We all complain. Don't, don't look at me like, I really don't know what you're talking about, Brother Lee. Let, let, we all do that. We complain. If we had a gauge to show a ratio of proportion of time we spend complaining versus the time we spend praising God, what percentage or ratio would you be? 
And let me just say this to you. When Israel crossed the red line of complaining and griping, they spent the next 40 years in the wilderness, and most died before they ever entered in the promised land. That's how God thinks about it. Thus showing how God feels about those who complain all the time. The problem is a spiritual problem. Gratitude is the fruit of the Spirit, and that is connected to joy. Galatians 5, 23 says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and it goes on, gentleness, self-control, against us there is no law. Against there, there is no law because what you're doing, if, you're, if those things bound in you, you're not breaking the law. That's what it means. That's what God wants in your life. Vine's Dictionary says this, Thanksgiving is an expression of joy Godward and is therefore the fruit of the Spirit. Believers are encouraged to abound in it. The Bible says in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up Him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, listen to this, abounding in thanksgiving. Boy, there's something about somebody that's truly grateful and thankful. Thus, the Holy Spirit who produces fruits of the Spirit in us produces joy, and the joy produces gratefulness or thanksgiving. So what we see is joy connected to the, to the, presence, to the presence of the Lord. And if you're joyful and if you will be grateful, then Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life. And then it says this. Listen to this. You say, well, how, why do I not have the joy? Let's be honest. Why do I not, many of us not have the joy in our life we ought to do? Because here's what it says. You will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What's the, what's the question? The question is this. The answer is, we don't get in his presence. You'll have joy, get in his presence. If you want joy in your life that leads to gratefulness and thankfulness, then get into his presence. Now listen to what God has called you to. 1 Peter 3.9. Listen to this. He's called everyone in here to this. 1 Peter 3.9. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Reviling means it's just griping all the time. Well, you know, you know all those kind of people? When you see them coming, you head the other direction. There's a gripe all the time. Gripe, 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 gripe. You know, <laughs> don't go there, late. Uh, so. <laughs> no, I know, Lord, I won't say that. <laughs> That's funny, though. That really is funny. But, <laughs> but, but, but listen to what he says. Not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessings. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. He called you to, to a blessing that you might inherit a blessing. You can't bless and not be thankful. Reviling called and notice inherit a blessing. And I believe that part of the blessing is godly contentment. See, many of us are not content. You know? You know? And, and the reason we're not, and, and what it does, it, it ends up in finance problems. When we're not content, and the Lord, the devil really works this way, and we get ourselves so far into debt, we can't see our eyeballs. And, and next thing you know, you got some guy from Bangladesh that's calling you up wanting his 1999 because he's going to promise you you're going to get two of them instead of one. And as a result of that, when he does that, you know, you haven't paid it and whatever, and they're going to bug the far out of you. You're not going to be able to supper or nothing else because of that. I don't know. I mean, Cricket and I, we drive old cars. 
But we, when we went to, on vacation, boy, they gave me one of those BMW, what was that thing, 740i or something like that? We didn't even know how to get that sucker out of the garage when we got out of you know, Man, it was nice. That's the first time in my life I was tempted to be a car thief. Because I didn't want to return it. But you gotta, you, you got to get to the place in your life where that balancing out things, that not having things means more to you. I'm free than having something. And, and believe me, you know, I think, I think the devil will work in those ways if he can. You know, why, so why are people... So the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, so people are not content, they're not grateful. So why are people not grateful? Because they don't recognize the blessings in their life and they don't walk in the Spirit. And when you walk, when you walk in the Spirit, it opens your eyes to the blessings of God. See, that's it. what the Spirit does. It opens and lets you see things that you would never see if the Holy Spirit wasn't in your life letting you see those things. Does that make sense? And when the Holy Spirit shows you and shows you things, you begin to see, you begin to be content and you begin to be grateful. You say, okay, Lee, you told us all the positive things. It's not about being grateful, but have you seen my life? Have you seen what I've gone through? My family's gone through? But you see, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, All things give, and all things give things. All things. What's he saying here? Is he saying there's not a time not to be happy? Now, and here's what I'm trying to say to you, and I'm trying to be uh, empathetic towards many of you in here. And I know I've, I've been with you, and I know what some of the things that some of you have been through. So, so I'm not trying to be cruel. Because I know, and, and, and we can be sad, especially sad when we lose somebody. And if that person knows the Lord, then, then, then I want you to really see what they're experiencing right now. You know, it, it's normal, it's a normal thing and a time to grieve. It's a normal thing, and I would be, I would be amiss if I told you not to grieve and not to, have, not to mourn. And there's times in our life that we've got to grieve and we've got to mourn. Grieving is what we do internally. Mourning is what we do outwardly. And there comes a time, if you only grieve continually until you come to a place that you begin to mourn, and, 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 and mourning is what we do externally. So in other words, when I'm able to talk about it and I'm able to tell people about it and I'm able to go back and I'm look, look at all the good times that we had and all the wonderful times and I'm able to laugh at some of the things they did, then I'm beginning to heal. I'm beginning to heal in this. So I'm not trying to take that away from you. You know, uh, uh, you know, you know but, but there comes a time... I think that what God wants you to do, if you really believe His Word, I think He wants you, there comes a time that He wants you to take off those, those, those cloths of mourning and grieving, and I think He wants you to put on the, the clothing of rejoicing that you know that what you've got looking forward to. Do you miss them? Of course you do. But, what you're, what, but let me tell you what you're experiencing here. What you're experiencing is what we would call, what I would call anyway, delayed joy. Now, what is delayed joy, Lee? It's the same thing that the Lord experienced. Because listen what Jesus says over in 12.2, in Hebrews 12.2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, 
for the joy that was set before him and dared to cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is that? In other words, did he, did he find joy in the cross? No. Did he find joy in, the, joy in the beatings he took? No. Did he have joy in all the things he went through? No. But the joy is this delayed joy because he knew there was coming a day when he would stand in front of his father and his father was going to rejoice with him. He knew a day that you and I were going to be in heaven and when we are, we're going to look and there's going to be your mama and your daddy and your, and your, and your, your children and other people. Why? a day of rejoicing that's going to be. Amen? Amen. And so we look to that day. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. And I know that the sting of death is there. But the sting of death, the Bible tells us in, in 1 Corinthians 15, has been taken away by Jesus. And why is he taken away? For the delayed joy that we're going to experience one of these days. One of these days. You know, uh, it, you know, uh, and and so when I when I come to that place, you know that I realize that that's delayed joy. So why be happy for the blessings that are yet to come? Being thankful for the problems, it's it's it's. How can I be happy, Lee? You can be happy for the problems that don't come. Being thankful for the problems that don't come. For the blessings, that you, that, the, the blessings that are yet to come, being thankful for nothing in your life right now is going on. You say, well, I'm just sort of bored. Be thankful. Because I'm going to tell you something. You know, just sit there long enough. Something's coming. I promise you. Be thankful for the blessings that come to others. The realization and being thankful that God is in control. And listen to this. He's sovereign. And because He's sovereign, the Bible says in Romans 8, 28... And we know that all things work together for good to those who love the God. And those who are called according to prayer. In other words, God's going to work it out. Thankful for materialistic goods and prosperity, but also thankful for not having the hassle of materialistic things. What are you talking about, Lee? Buy a new car. I guarantee you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to park it five miles in Walmart's parking lot away from everybody else. Because you don't want anybody to bang it. After so long, you know what's going to happen? You're going to park it right next to Jeb, uh, Jeb uh, the Beverly Hillbilly, Jeb's truck. You don't care. It's the things wear off like that. So, <laughs> Bible says in Luke 12, 48, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much is required. Is this not why 85% of the people who won the lottery said they wish they'd never won it? You know, they couldn't handle $500 in a bank account. What are they going to do with a million? Come on. To be grateful in the midst of trouble, Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him. In other words, while I'm going through something, I'm going to praise him. For it is in the offers of opportunity to show Christ is what we're trying to do. And let me, let me, uh, I don't know whether I'll do this or not, but let me do it. You know, me and the Lord have a lot of conversations up here, and sometimes he says, don't do that. You know, no, no say that, whatever, you know, whatever. Don't, okay. And now I can't even, oh, I can't, I don't know where I'm going. Okay, uh, let, me, let me share something with you here. Let, let me tell you, you know, so you say, okay, how can I rejoice when I'm suffering? When I'm going through something, how can I suffer? Listen to this. This is a great quote. 
the suffering of God's saints, when, when God's saints are suffering, when the suffering of God's saints is appointed by God. Now, some people tell you, oh, you come to Christ, you'll never have to suffer. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. That's what he said. But the suffering, and, and the, the, you know, the, the, when the, the guys were beaten and, and they were in the book of Acts, and they said that when they were finally released, beaten and, and put in prison, they finally released, they, they rejoiced and counted themselves worthy that what? That they had been able to suffer for Christ. If you, you know, Paul said this one time. He said, he said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And then he said this, and the fellowship of his suffering. You start walking with Jesus, I guarantee you're going to suffer in some way. Listen, the suffering of God's saints is appointed by God so that in it our joy in God would make the worth of God be seen more precious than what we love when we suffer. In other words, when I'm suffering, if I go through, the Bible says in Philippians 4, let your moderation or your gentleness be known. You're going through something. If you go through it blowing snot and, and all this other kind of stuff, you know, I just don't know where I'm going to make it and all this. Kind of, but if you go through it, I'm, I'm trusting God, I'm walking with God, and you do it to the other end, that's the fellowship of suffering. I guarantee you God's going to bless you because of it. He's going to bless us because of it. So to be grateful in the midst of trouble. If you're older then be grateful that you lived a long time. Listen, when I was just a kid, I was pulling kids that I knew out of cars when I worked for Scobie Funeral. At 16 years old, I was pulling kids out of cars that had been killed in car wrecks. And, I, and to this day, I can't figure out, why, Lord, why did you take them home before their time? And I didn't, I lived. If you're, if you're older, then rejoice that you've lived a long time. You know? Be thankful that, you, you know, be thankful for that, you know. You can be thank if if you can be thankful, you're living close. And here's the other thing: I'm thankful I'm living closer to heaven. I'm ready to go. It's not going to be. It's going to be wonderful. Thankful for no sickness in your life, you and you have your health. Thankful for a job. If you have no job, then be thankful that you have time to spend with the Lord for Him to prepare you for your next opportunity. Thankful for life. Thankful for death. Paul said it was gain for me to die. Paul said it's better to depart and, and to be with the Lord. Thankful for the love of your life. Thankful that you don't have a love in your life. Some of you that are just overwhelmed with that, well, I just don't have anybody in my life. Nobody, I can't date anybody. Follow me around for a while. Come in there sometime and listen to some of these married couples. You'll go out there rejoicing. <laughs> I'm in trouble on that one, I guarantee you. <laughs> you know, thankfully, you don't have a love in your life, and your life is not complicated with a relationship. Thankful for the things that God has shown me. Thankful for the ministry in my life and those things I didn't understand. For the Lord was protecting me until I was ready to receive it. And many of those things will not be revealed to me until I get to heaven. Some of the things, the questions that you're asking right now, some of those questions right now are not going to be answered until you get to heaven one of these days. I'm thankful for answered prayer. But in the words of that great theologian, Garth Brooks, I'm also thankful for unanswered prayer. Amen? You know, some of you think about your high school sweetheart, you know. And you see her 
20, 30 years later. Oh, God, thanks. <laughs> you, know, you know, some of you are just, you know, and the reason you're doing that because I am saying what you're sitting there thinking right now. You know, <laughs> thankful for those times that God has made me wait and those times I've learned to trust His Word and Him and not what He gives. How to maintain thankfulness and gratitude in those hard times. Well, Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And verse 5 says this, Let your gentleness be known to men, the Lord's hand. Now, you, if you're reading King James, it says, Let your moderation. In other words, how you act through that. Romans 5, 3, 5. Listen to what it says. If you're going through something, it says not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance reaches character. Only place in the Bible that the Bible uses the word character, character, hope, and hope. And then it says this, verse 6. And listen to this. Hope does not disappoint point because the love of God has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit was given. What does that mean? It means you got a divine appointment waiting on you if you'll wait on Him. You know, when Jesus sent the disciples out in the middle of the lake and they were figured they're going to drown and here comes Jesus walking across the water and when He comes walking across the water, the Bible says in the book of Mark, He would have passed them by. It's the same wording where Moses looked at God and said, Lord, can I see your face? And God said, no, no one has ever seen my face and lived, but I'll put you in the cliff of the rock, I'll cover you with my hand and I'm going to pass by. And what it says, my goodness will pass by. And when He does that, He passed. It's the same wording, passing by. What does that mean? He's, God is saying, I'm going to show you something that you would never seen if you hadn't been in this situation. And when Jesus got in that boat, he said, peace be still. The water ceased. The waves calmed down. And the disciples looked at him and they said to him this, what manner of man is this that even the water and the waves obey him? And you know what, he's, what, what that means? If they hadn't been out in the middle of that storm, they would have never seen Jesus the way he said. I'm telling you, in your storm right now, what God is doing in your life right now, He's going to show you a side of Him that you've never seen if you will go through it and trust Him in that. And James 1, 2, because tribulation is something that lasts for a long time. James said, a brother counted all joy when you fall into various trials. And he goes on to where you're testing your faith and patience. James, it's trials is something that doesn't last. Two things to remember when I'm going through something. One, that God loves me. Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Psalm, and here's the second thing, Psalms 84, 11. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Go back to Psalms 84, 11, 12, and I'm almost ready to take my seat. Listen to what it says, 11 and 12. For the Lord God is the sun and the shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory. No thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Now here's what I want you to see. If I go through something, I want God. I can. I want a God I can trust. I want one that's out of time and space. I don't want one of these Mickey Mouse gods that the world's trying to sell you. Joseph, Joseph did, and God was with him everywhere he went. Everything when he was in prison, it said God was with him. When he was at Potiphar's house, God was with him. He didn't understand it, but he knew God was with him. Abraham had to wait 100 years before he had a baby. David was just a boy when he was anointed, but he, had, but he was 30-something before he became king. Daniel went out of the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went out of the fiery furnace. And if you'll trust him, you'll go out from whatever you're going to through. Amen? 
Psalms 84, for the Lord is my son and my shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Son and the shield, does that mean then son, he brings stuff to us and blesses us? Shield, he's keeping bad stuff from us? No, that doesn't mean that. It does, does that mean he gives us good stuff and keeps the bad stuff from happening? No, that's not it. That's not it. Because sometimes he allows hard stuff. And he keeps back the good stuff. And that makes no sense from our perspective. What does that mean? It means that whatever he does, he allows into our life. It is our ultimate, whatever he allows in our life, is, it is our ultimate good. So we can know that because our Heavenly Father is sovereign and in control, we can trust him. And when we do, then I know that whatever comes into my life is good. Sometimes do some research about when the Bible says no good thing will he hold. Find out what good is. David found out what good was. You know what it was? The presence of the Lord. See, I'd rather have, the Bible says I'd rather be a, I would rather be a, I would rather be a, a doorkeeper in the house of God than the, I don't remember the rest of that verse. In other words, I'd rather have his presence. His presence. Well, let me just say this to you. I close with this. One of my favorite people, and I've read a lot of stuff by her, and that was a lady. She was a Dutch lady, great lady, who endured unbelievable persecution. Her name was Corey Ten Boom. And her and her dad and her sisters and her entire family were put into some of the awfulest conditions there ever was in Nazi prison camps. And a great illustration that I leave here is because she said that one time, here's what she said. She said, in the prison camp, there was such a flea infestation that was in everything. Everything you got to eat, you had to fight the fleas off. When you laid down in the bed at night, you got bit continually with the fleas in your bed and blankets and everything. Fleas were everywhere. And she said, in the midst of this, my, my sister looked at me. Her sister died in that camp. But she said, my sister looked at me one day and she says, Corey, let's thank God for the fleas. And she said, What? She said, I thought that was crazy. Let's thank God for the fleas. She said, but if that's what you want to do, and they thank God for the fleas. She said, I realized later on the fleas were so bad that the guards would leave us alone. That they wouldn't come back there because the fleas were so bad. We could stay in the back and they would never touch us, never bother us because of the fleas. Let's thank God for the fleas. What do you need to thank God for today? What is it that's going on in your life now? Have you turned it over to him? Have you released it in front of him? Is there somebody in your life that has done something to you that you haven't forgiven? You see, the purpose of forgiveness is not for you. The purpose, it is for you, but the purpose of forgiveness is a release. It's a release that person from you, release that situation, all the anxiety and everything from you. Well, do I have to have a relationship with that person? I think you have to be cordial. You have to be not. But if they don't want a relationship with you, don't worry about it. But you be free. You let the Lord have it. That's what you need to do. I don't know what your situation is. But I'm telling you this. You start thanking God for the problems you got in your life. I'm telling you, they're going to turn like unbelievable. And all because Satan doesn't want to bless you, they'll turn into blessings. So this morning we're going to give a a verse of invitation for you because all this first starts above everything else. I'll tell you where it starts. It starts in you coming to the place that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord. Say,